Good afternoon, good morning, or good evening, and welcome to the American Age podcast. Uh, today I'm talking again to Seth Rodney. Seth, how are you doing? I'm somewhat stressed, but I'm here. So Seth has uh, a, an appointment with an artist right after the, the podcast today, and we've had some technical difficulties, none of which you care about. Uh, so today, uh, so Seth and I have known each other for many, many years, um, and rather than talk about one of our headier uh, choices, uh, today we thought we'd talk about, uh, we have a common experience, which is that we both went back to do our graduate degrees, our PhDs, pretty late in life. Um, I mean, even late by humanities academic standards. Uh, so we thought we would just kind of talk about that. And uh, I know there's a lot of people that think about going back to grad school or have gone back to grad school or uh, have finished PhDs and uh, aren't really happy with the results, uh, and certainly on the job market um, and all the rest of that. So, Seth, why don't you, uh, I don't know, why don't, why don't we just do a little bit more of a back and forth conversation than we usually do instead of our, you know, soliloquy, soliloquy. So, um, well, I think the question we could probably start off with is just asking ourselves not so much why because i think other questions will other other the conversation will lead naturally to why but sort of what's come out of deciding to go back to school uh at at a late age um really how our lives have turned out because of that decision and i went back to school at 36 i went to the London Consortium Program at Birkbeck College in London mm-hmm. and back in 2006. And I, um, at the time, you know, you and I had had long discussions in the um, uh, previous years about how unhappy I was at my job doing retail, slinging yeah. overpriced and bullshit at rich people. Um, High-end retail, by the way. Yeah, I mean, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, Armani and all that. But... Um, What's, what has come out of it, and I've had reason to think about this a lot in the last few years, because the last few years have been particularly difficult. I mean, financially, emotionally, physically, even medically at times. But what's come out is that I've had, uh, I have a better life. I just, it's better in, 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 in sort of all the sort of measure, all the sort of m- metrics that I would use to talk about the worth of a life. It's better, and, and, I can, and I can sum it up this way. I was actually having a conversation with a person at a party on Saturday, a woman mm-hmm. named Miranda, who's a good friend of Stevens. Mm-hmm. Um, they used to work together at the Schomburg. Stephen Fullwood, the other contributor on the podcast. Right. And, yeah. and she, we were talking about sort of where we are in our lives and, and how it's going, and I said, it's actually the best really it's ever been because now, and this is the key metric, I get paid to do the thing that I actually really want to do, and I'm respected for it. Like people understand that as an art critic, as a a voice that takes quite seriously the endeavor to make art, to Mm -hmm. investigate the the gap between art and life, as someone who does that, I am somewhat respected by my peers, by my colleagues, by people who have the same sorts of interests. And I just didn't have that before. Yeah, you're respected for work that means something to you, which makes uh, a massive difference. Yeah, I went back at... uh, 
39. Mm. So you're a few, you've got a few years on me. Uh, but mm. uh, uh, as far as, you know, when we were born. But, uh, you know, I went back at 39 and it was, I'd gone back and forth over whether to do, go to graduate school. And I, I had a master's degree, I had two master's degrees actually before mm-hmm. that. I remember, uh, which, I remember what your ex-wife had said about you. You said that you were a collector of degrees. You remember ex-wife. that? Well, not my ex-wife. Ex-wife, sorry. Ever my, yeah, sorry. Yeah, my, yeah. The, the, it's, it's the way mother, more, right. it's, it's the mother way more trailer park. The mother of your oldest son. Yeah, yes. yeah it's uh, way more trailer park than that. So I mean, the, I, the mother of my, <laughs> of my, <laughs> Uh, the mother of my oldest son, uh, never married. Uh, so, um, and, uh, my oldest son who, you know, I'm very proud of who's at UCLA right now. Um, but, uh, and that was a long road, but yeah, it's, it, I don't say I had two master's degrees with pride, right? There's no, like, like you don't need a second one of those. I don't know that you need a first one of those, but, but you know, there was a second one that I decided I needed to get. So, uh, and you know, and then I, I adjuncted for a long time, five right, years. And, right. you know, I, I, the adjunct life is not fantastic. But if you have an advanced degree in, in English, which I, I do, um, you can adjunct, um, you know, at a state school here in Southern California. And there's a lot of classes. I mean, they're just they, – they need someone to staff these writing classes because every freshman needs – you know, has to take writing. Mm, so you can get they? the work. And there's yeah. – a Mm. Um, there's a, a song by Norman Reed, uh, called I got all the fucking work I need. <laughs> and that's just the song over and over and over again. I got all the fucking work I need. Right. And that's right. how I felt when I was adjuncting, you know, six, seven right. classes in a term. Right. Uh, you know, I made decent money. I was fine and comfortable, but, uh, that was enough. I didn't need any more work. And there was really not a lot of room for, uh, intellectual work. Some, you know, I, I think, I still think it's better than, you know, a lot of jobs out there. I wouldn't even necessarily say like a, you know, a factory line job, but I just mean like a cubicle job that not only eats up all of your time, eats up your soul too. So, um, you know, there were some resources left over, but I, uh, I didn't want to do it anymore because, um, I think probably just baseline pride. Like, I mean, you are, absolute lowest man or woman on the totem pole if you are adjunct faculty, particularly particularly without a PhD. Uh, and I didn't necessarily, when I decided I wanted to go back and get my PhD, I, I, I didn't necessarily have any strong notion that I wanted to get a tenure-track job somewhere. It was kind of in the back of my mind, but uh, I just knew that it was an idea that wouldn't go away. Right. So sort of like a, a pest. Mm-hmm. It was the thought itself was a pest. And mm-hmm. in in my life, if thoughts pester me for long enough, I figure they're pestering me for a reason. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that thought pestered me for a really long time. And, you know, mm-hmm. I was married at the time and um, talked to Molly. We had just started our business and, you know, it was relatively small. I certainly had no business uh, leaving the business to go back and do a graduate degree, but it was running decently well enough that I could at least justify that to myself. I remember um, when you when we talked about it and you said that you wanted to do this. And we had talked a long time, like we had talked a long time about me going back to grad school. Mm-hmm. Um, we had talked a, lo- a lot of back and forth and, and uh, uh, in, that, in that way that you describe of having the idea pester you. And I remember thinking to myself, I don't think I said this to you, but I remember thinking, 
That's damn near impossible. Like you are like it was one thing for me. I did not have a child. Mm. I I was desperately poor, but I didn't have a child. And I wasn't running a business and I went off to London to work on this thing. But you had it had a child and a business. Two. I was homeschooling my oldest. Right, 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 right. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And um and running a business and I thought how in the world, how in, it's just, I thought it, I, I don't think I said it to you, but I thought, <laughs> I don't think you did this either. shit you, is impossible. You're, you're far too polite to do that. Like, oh, there's no freaking way. How are you going to do that? Like I, I have trouble managing myself without all those responsibilities. So I, I remember being really a little bit, I was a little bit afraid for you. I was. Yeah, uh, my my wife is great. Uh, Molly is fantastic, and um, you know, and we hadn't. Uh, no, that's not true. We did have my 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 wife actually. She gave birth to Dean uh, that first year I was in school, mm. but I went through. I went in with a head of steam, right? Mm. I mean, I went in with like I. I was not into the nonsense of being a graduate student. I had mm. no desire to be a graduate student. I just used air quotes around graduate student for mm-hmm. uh, all the people that can't see us, the handful of people that can't see us. Mm. Um, and But, you know, I just I, – I didn't waste my time. To me, like, I didn't need a graduate school experience. I wanted that piece of paper. I, mm-hmm. wanted, I wanted to be bona fide. Right? Mm-hmm. I wanted mm-hmm. I wanted the letters. I wanted the credential, mm-hmm. uh, and it was that. That all that being said, I don't know about you. I actually want to see. I want to. I want to know what your experience is. I, I have a feeling it was probably better than mine because you. Um, it, uh, I think you're just less self conscious than I am about a lot of choices that you make. I think you are. Uh, uh, not that you aren't plagued with self-doubt. I mean, anyone, you know, with an IQ above 50 is probably plagued with self-doubt. But um, but I I remember being in those cl- those first handful of classes and just being deeply self-conscious and um, just feeling like, what am I doing? You know, th- any of my in-laws, you know, they, my in-laws are great. I have very, very cool in-laws. They're, you know, they're very supportive. They love their daughter and, and they love their extended family and they've always been great with me. Uh, but at the same time, you know, from their point of view and even my parents' point of view who, you know, are obviously far too supportive to say anything, but they had to be saying like, you are 39 fucking years old, man. What are you doing? Like, what, yeah. where are you going? Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah it's I'm, not like, you, I'm sorry, go ahead. So I want to no, know what your experience was like with that. Well, I was self-conscious for many reasons. I mean, there wasn't so much actually the age and the, and the parental and the sort of what I would look like in terms of what I would look like to my close relatives because my father just didn't really care. Um, right, yeah. He's just not a particularly caring man. And my mother was just supportive in that way that's just... Sort of, it, 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 it looks like unconditional love. I'm not exactly sure it is, but... As at least that's how it comes across. But the, sure. in, uh, unconditional love in this sort of worse sense of the term in that it didn't matter what I did. So she wasn't right. invested sort of one way or the other, right? And it's just right, like, oh, right. no, you're going to, you know, do what you want to do in grad school, great. Um, no, so none of that bothered me. What bothered me most was when I was in class and I felt that I was just straight up intimidated by mm. the intellects around me. I mean, there were people there who 
And not everyone. Certainly not everyone. But I was taught by Colin McCabe, who was at the... I, don't, I think he may still hold this distinction. But he was the youngest person ever, grad, ever granted full professorship at Cambridge. And he did it, like I think, before he was 30. A wow. full professorship yeah. at wow. Cambridge. Right. Right. So, so, so to just put that in terms that people might understand, it's like, that's like being Michael Jordan. Um, in, 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 yeah, in, in, in sort of academic terms, it's like being Michael Jordan, but Michael Jordan in high school, like being that level of player, um, right. you know, like ten years before players like that might even get to that level, like right, right, just right. Kind of, just, just incredible. It and certainly then, deserves a, a spot of tea to toast. You know, so <laughs> it's quite, it's quite an accomplishment. Right. Well, and and also Colin <laughs> sort of, Colin sort of was 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 quite full of himself. I mean, um, if he <laughs> ever, didn't, hit, I, didn't, I didn't even need that additional piece of information. Right, I just, right, you know. right, right. You just kind of assumes that. But and then there was Steve Connor, who's written like probably at this point fifteen books. Steve Connor, who has one of those kinds of personalities, um, or rather, that one of those kinds of minds where he'll read something, and then he'll do that sort of British thing of saying, oh, well, you know, I'm not really sure what this means, but I think I'll just take a stab at it. And, and then he'll go on, and he'll give you this disquisition on what mm-hmm. this very naughty philosophical problem is. But he'll also give you the very sort of quotidian example of how one might understand it and have access to it oneself, right, right. right? So just straight up intimidated by these people. And right. I remember one time I made it onto the um, the um, the board. I was like uh, I was like the student representative of the London Consortium. And I remember we had this meeting and there were all the sort of principals around the table. And there's one particular person, a psychoanalytic um, scholar. Um, I forget his name, but really just I'm really not nice man just really just kind of just kind of mean and and he clearly took pleasure in other people's misery uh wonderful and uh we were talking about light somehow light came up and someone said something about light and i said no no that doesn't make sense it's not that it's this and the the person said oh i think you're talking about pigment and it was like such an obvious wrong thing for me to such an obvious thing for me to get wrong Mm-hmm. And I remember being like so embarrassed. I was like, "Oh wow, I do genuinely wish I could disappear right now." <laughs> like, become... what, did, uh, what did Professor Schadenfreude say? Well, he was just—he was just smirking the whole time. Like, he was just smirking ah, to himself. What a he dick. Thought he was a... Yeah, yeah, completely. If you happen to be listening, you're a dick. <laughs> <laughs> I, yeah. just, I, I am not. I, yeah, I, I just... uh, to me, like all of the academic stuff. Uh, I'm not often intimidated by those people mm-hmm. um, because I have yet to meet uh, a luminary, not that I haven't been impressed by, not at all. I've met lots of people that I think are, you know, uh, brilliant and insightful and, you know, trenchant critics and uh, and owe them a debt for the thinking that they've they've put in. But when I see people like that, when I look at myself in the mirror and when, you know, and I'm not saying I don't mean to lump myself in with them. I mean to lump myself in with a particular type of uh, lifestyle. You, you, we, they are sitting on, you know, 5,000 years of social evolution. 
like you're sitting on you getting your your PhD at Cambridge between before thirty like that or a full professorship. I'm sorry, that much a much more significant distinction. A full professorship mm-hmm. at Cambridge before thirty, that's some serious shit. That's great. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and how many other brilliant human beings were not born? into the circumstances right. to be able to excel right. in, in that, that, that. It's not that it's not special. It's just not um, sublime. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah okay. I just, well, um, but, but, but I think, I'm sorry, but I think, I think, Travis, you have this sort of greatest, skept, not skepticism, but this, this um, maybe just you just have this sort of greater insight into what constitutes accomplishment. And I think that I might get sort of distracted by the shiny baubles, the kind of qualifications that gain a lot of attention. Sure. Uh, and I think my parents are like that. So there may be something there in, in, in the way I was brought up. But yeah. I, what I want to say is I didn't get to the point where I started to, or where I began to stop being impressed by those things until I got the PhD. Because what yeah. I think actually getting the PhD did for me, and this is actually what I hoped for. Uh, mm. I, I really had no sense of like a, a realistically of a job prospect because I didn't think I wanted to be a tried and true academic. I just I just don't like mm. the game. But what I did think I would have is a sense of how research works, how to conduct it in a principled manner, um, to be able to look at somebody else's argument, even an argument, even an, even a, 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 a study that is outside of my field of expertise. Of course, absolutely. And be able to understand it, see its holes, see its assumptions, understand how the conclusions were arrived at. Mm-hmm. What it did was it gave me a chance to, it gave me the opportunity to really learn how to take other people's arguments apart. And that's when I started to be more aware that whoever you are, you actually have to construct an argument. Yeah. Yeah, I appreciate You know, it's funny. I, I think I, I don't know if I consciously wanted the same thing, but I certainly think that that is one of the most uh, beneficial rewards for having done advanced academic training, having gotten a PhD, mm. is exactly what you just articulated. You know, how arguments are made, um, who makes them, how they're made, the results of them. And and kind of the, the irony of that is mm. that while it also, um, it brings them down to earth, it also at the same time instills me the, with a great deal of respect for the people who are in the business of making those arguments and making them well, because mm-hmm. a well-structured argument is very, very, very difficult to do, mm-hmm. really hard, mm-hmm. like not, not not an easy thing at all. Mm-hmm. And we take it for granted. I mean, most people that I know take that for granted. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, when I, when I worry, you and I have talked about this, about, you know, whether something like this project or the American age or something like that can have a real impact. And, um, you know, w- one of the things that I we've talked about before is that, the, 
the whole world is made by those arguments. Yes. Right. The whole, the whole, the, all the umbrellas we live under. Yes. Capi- whether it's capitalism, whether it was mercantilism before that, a the nation Socratic states, method, um, the, 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 Cartes- the Cartesian split. The sci- that's right. The scientific method, like all, you know, trigonometry. Right. You know, I mean, all, all of these things, mm. people made usually in obscurity, right. right? Right. And usually the fruits of what they made and what they planted were not obvious to them in their right. lifetimes. Right. Um, you know, obviously plenty of exceptions. You know, Einstein was very well lauded in his lifetime. And, uh, and I, I don't mean to say that it's always this kind of obscure labor, um, but that there are people in the world whose primary motivation, not sole motivation, right? Because we're all venal creatures. We all get jealous. We have moments of acquisitiveness. But there are people in the world whose primary motivation is the pursuit of truth. Mm. And and I know that for a long time in my early training, and I know you had similar experiences because you and I have talked about this, that the nobility of that project was uh, smirked at and derided and Hmm. uh, made to be uh, turned into a snide remark Hmm. um, by certain types of post uh, critical theoretical poses. Right. Mm -hmm. So I'm I'm talking about, you know, kind of continental philosophy, Hmm. late 20th century. If you're not familiar with it, uh, you know, some of its arguments, I think, are important, actually. But Hmm. um, but like anything, when taken too far, uh, Hmm. it can become insidious. And, uh, and, but there are actually people, you know, that like right now that are sitting in libraries pursuing shit just because they want to figure it out. Yes. And the whole, the whole race is better for people like that. Yes. People whose primary, not only, but their primary, uh, motivation is curiosity. Is yeah, genuine. Yeah, 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 curiosity. Yes, absolutely. I want to figure this out. And here's the thing, and I, I don't know that we've talked about this, but here's the thing about curiosity that is is super important for me, is that it's one of those drivers of human action that is really, as far as I'm concerned, at least, innocent. Like mm. you can make the you know you can make the case that romantic mm. desire isn't innocent. Right, mm-hmm. like, like there's something kind of greedy about it. There's something I want this thing. I want this person. You can make the case for for other kinds of um, motivators, like the desire for social status. You know, being sure. being 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 a key one for us. Um, the desire for distinction, maybe even the desire to be recognized. Even though I think that that's that's just that's just important for every human being. But yeah, cu- we're pro-social, so yeah, I mean, yeah. it's yeah, it's, we yeah, need to be seen by each other. Yeah, we absolutely. need to be yeah, yeah. yeah. You, need to, you need to know I'm here. But, to, but curiosity, that is one of the key things that we do as human beings that just like mm. across the board is a good thing. It's a good yeah. thing to ask what it means to use these, th- this tool to do this project. Or what, what, what would it look like if we used other tools? What would it look like if we used other projects? I mean, this is how, I mean, you're, I, I, I feel like I'm kind of channeling you when I say this. This is how we got to the moon. Right. This yeah. is how we got. Yeah. This is how we got into the Mariana Trench. This is how we mm. split the atom because we were genuinely mm. curious. Like, how does this work? This thing called a strong force. This thing mm. called quantum entanglement. Like, what is mm-hmm. that? Like, mm. that is where I think we are best. Um, uh, we are kind of our best selves, and I think you yeah. know genuinely. 
I mean, we're saying so we're sort of patting ourselves on the back by saying this, but this is that that was one of our primary motivations in going back to school was like, hey, I want to know this stuff. Yeah, yeah. You, I mean, you exactly said you 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 said exactly what I was going to say is that, I mean, the conversation as good conversations often do, at least for me, help me figure something out. And I realized that, so the PhD for me was, and I'm not to say that there's one way to enter that tribe, right? There's multiple ways to contribute to the accumulation of human knowledge, multiple ways. It did absolutely in no way, shape or form has to be connected to the PhD. But for me, that's what it was. That is what led me to, and a bunch of other ancillary reasons too, social status, all the rest of what we talked about. But, but the primary thing is I really, uh, I, have a, I have a buddy that used to write for uh, the Orange County Register and he said, and I, don't, I, I always wondered if he borrowed it from someone, but uh, it may actually be, uh, be his phrase. He said that, um, you know, the truth is bitter but once you've required a taste for it, nothing else will satisfy you. Mm. Um, and mm. and I think that that is absolutely right for me. Like, mm. truth, it's fucking hard. Mm-hmm. Like, you got like 70 years, man, 80 years, mm-hmm. maybe, mm-hmm. you know, everything you know and love is going to pass. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the earth itself is finite. The sun is finite. And you are not that important. You just yeah, really that's right, ultimately that's right. nothing do not I, matter. Nothing I write or say or do uh, will amount to much outside of this little micro social universe that, Pre- that we've precisely. constructed for ourselves. Precisely. Uh, but yet it matters to me that I say things that are right mm-hmm. and correct and true. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And it matters to me when other people don't. Right. Um, and... Uh, Fuck it. I think that's a noble thing. And I don't uh, I don't think that makes me better than other human beings because we're all going to go to the same place. Uh, But it it does mean that I call better human beings my friends. Yes. Um, Yes. And it does mean that that the tribe that I aspire to belong to with unqualified membership is a better tribe than the one that is trying to accumulate lucre or the tribe that's trying to accumulate political capital. That's exactly Um, right. This is the tribe I want to belong to. And I do think that ultimately we lead better lives. We do. They're more meaningful. They are um, they're honest. And they at the end of the day. They give us uh, a sense of of genuine purpose. Yeah, yeah, and I, you know, and I, I, I think, you know, I also think we have a responsibility in that pursuit to share the fruits of that labor, uh, mm. and not and not just hoard it, right? If we if we if we can keep talking in terms of like tribes, um, the you know, I think what our tribe finds. Uh, should be a bounty to everyone and not something that, that we just keep for ourselves uh, and not something that makes us feel better than uh, the other tribes. Because, again, we couldn't do what we do if there weren't a whole lot of people doing a whole lot of other work, you know, like making cars and, and you know, working on cars and building computers and, you know, and all the and, rest and, of it. And emptying toilets. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, that's absolutely right. Yeah, yeah that's right. Yeah. Cooking food. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Yeah. So, so the, the tribe at the service of other tribes, yes. I agree. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so I don't, I mean, I think, I think that's probably about all I have. It's like literally like the shortest podcast we've ever done. So, and Seth, I'll, I'll be very happy to give you the last word. 
actually, I thought that we kind of had said it already. I mean, I thought that we, in, in saying that the project that we've taken on um, in the sort of in the sort of group of people that we're calling our tribe is to be a service of the rest of us. And that, I think, to borrow your word, is noble. Yeah, yeah. Seth, thanks for the conversation. You're welcome. Glad to be uh, here. Yeah, take care. Okay. Thanks for joining us. Bye.